Hi, I'm Palma Polisel. I'm a solo parent, dog lover, and a member of the widowed community, a club no one wants to join. Following the loss of my spouse, I felt compelled to help others navigate widowhood and find a fulfilling life after loss. I invite you to spend time with me as I am joined by a variety of guests, including widows, widowers, and professional experts. To name a few topics, we will be discussing grief, loneliness, dating, solo parenting, and self-care. We will also discuss finances with topics like dealing with debt, insurance, estates, and building an emergency fund. I believe that resolving financial issues is essential to improving the journey through grief. Together, with both knowledge and empowerment, we will learn how to move forward and navigate this new normal. Hi, I'm Palma Polisel, and I'm joined by my guest, Richard Dree, who is a financial planner with Scotia McLeod. Richard, I heard you went to a wedding this weekend. I did. I went to a very, very expensive wedding. And I'm I, wait, I think, how, wait, how do you know it was expensive? Oh, I could tell. I could tell. Oh. I've got a, I've got a nose for expensive stuff. <laughs> oh, that I believe. <laughs> yeah, I think weddings have gotten completely out of control. They mm-hmm. have broken the bank of every parent in Canada, I think. Anyhow, let me explain this. Possibly still, broken the bank, yes. Oh, yeah, possible. Definitely this particular couple did. Uh, so they got married north of Toronto, very posh location, north of the GTA, beautiful grounds. I'm sure they were taking pictures and they. I'm sure they came out perfectly, beautifully. Anyways, as soon as you walk in, there are flowers everywhere. It looked like you were going into (laughs) some kind of uh, flower shop. There were flowers everywhere. And then there were, I think, two or three bars. uh, And they were completely free, free open bar. Uh, You didn't have to bring your wallet for any of that stuff. So deluxe bar. Any drink you wanted. Uh, Not just the cheap stuff like the rum. Uh, All of the high caliber, uh, expensive stuff was there. Uh, Not that I took advantage of it because they... They give me headaches now, so I don't drink anymore. Uh, but too bad because they were all there. And then, of course, when you walk in and after you sit down, there was a beautiful dinner. There was a short rib, a braised short rib that was unbelievable. I don't know how they cooked it so well for like over 200 people. So really tender. Yeah, it was braised for 18 hours. Wow. That's what the menu said. That's I don't commitment. Know. Wow. Yeah, like who did that? Anyhow. <laughs> I was I was I couldn't believe the cost. I was just estimating it in my own head, but I I don't know how much these things cost. So after we ate, I sat around with a few other guys that I knew and I said, "Okay, you guys might know, how much does it cost do you think to have this event?" Now, I'm not talking about the photographer, the videographer, the wedding dress, the DJ, just the venue, the food, and the alcohol. I I cannot believe this. I hope you don't fall off your chair. $250 per person. No, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I thought you'd be rolling on the ground. No, no. I also went went to a (laughs) wedding not long ago, and I'm, I'm certain it was there in that price range or more. How can widows afford this? Like we only have one person working. Mm -hmm. And and also you have that widow guilt. So you know your child has lost a parent. You want to do everything for them. So one of your children comes to you and said something to the effect of, I'm so happy, I'm getting married, but I need your financial help. What do you uh, do? I, 
I'd have a stroke. <laughs> well, do you, I mean, I, I imagine, and I've heard this actually, that some people actually go into debt just oh, no. to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a financial planner. That's I, a no-no, right? That is a definitely, definitely a no-no. You should never go into debt for that. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what we've done or what I did. I, I say we, but Mary wasn't here and I never really had an opportunity to talk to her about it, is I decided on my own that I would give the three children a a lump sum, a, a gift, and they could do whatever they wanted with it. There'd be no strings attached. They could use it to buy a house. They could pay for their, their wedding. They could go on a honeymoon. They could go to Vegas. I, I, I didn't get involved. And I did that with Victor. Uh, it, I think it worked out well. I didn't really have to do very much for the wedding uh, other than write the check. And I think I'm going to do the same for child number two and child number three. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking of doing? Are you you? I think I heard you were Palma blank check. <laughs> no, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did talk to Dave about this before oh, he passed wow. away, and just in conversation, not because he wasn't even sick at that time. So we were just probably at a wedding and talked about weddings, and and he he mentioned at that time that he'd be happy to pay for the entire wedding. Wow, but. This was years ago when yeah. weddings were not as expensive. And although I had a lot of people at my wedding, it still wouldn't have cost $250 per person. Actually, nowhere near that. Today, yeah, they're out of control. They're out of control. Today, I'm certain that he wouldn't say the same thing. Oh, he'd change his mind because For of the sure, cost. Knowing the costs. So I, I, I disagreed with you initially when you talked about just giving them a, a small lump sum, I thought I would really help them with everything. But the more I think of it, the more I know that I won't. I'll probably go along with what you're saying um, and, and just give a certain amount and then they they can do what they want with it at that point. I definitely would not go into debt no, to don't, contribute don't. to a wedding, no matter yeah, what. Even if there was pressure from uh, the other the other family, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's a good point. So if the other family says, oh, we're going to pay for half of it, we expect you to pay for the other half. Mm -hmm. What do you then say? Uh, I would say, I'm sorry, I'm not in a financial position to do that. I will contribute this much and then the rest is up to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you need to have the nerve to say that because that's exactly what you should say, in, in my opinion, too. And if the gift that you or I give to our children, our individual children, uh, if that's not what they expect, then that's fine. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to compete. No, no, I know. It's interesting. Honestly, the flowers at a wedding alone are probably the cost of a small car these days. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. We were amazed. We took all the, it was beautiful. Like if you loved flowers, mm -hmm. you were in paradise. It was like flowers everywhere. It was mm -hmm. beautiful. Wow. Wow. I need another job or something of the <sighs> sort. This is uh, <laughs> way too expensive. So yeah. Richard, Richard, uh -huh. in, this, in this series of four podcasts, I will be discussing financial planning for widows and widowers. This is going to include budgeting, saving, and investing. So today, you're going to help me with this. The mm -hmm. first thing is we're going to create a post-loss budget and adjust our expenses. How do we start to even think about this when we're when we're going through the loss of a loved one, it's not something we want to think about, but we have to, right? 
Yeah, totally. Uh, I think you and I both agree that we shouldn't make any major decisions during the first year after your loss. And for obvious reasons, you're, I, 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 my brain was not ready to make anything big, to, mm -hmm. to make a big decision. But you do need to look at your budget. You do need to look at how much money comes in and how much money goes out. And I hate to say this, but you need to do it almost immediately because your income has changed. So for example, if your spouse who died was the major breadwinner, you've just now lost that income. And so there will be a shortfall if you do nothing in your monthly budget. And so the first thing you need to do is you need to look at your new income. How much money are you bringing in? And let's look at some of the more popular sources of income. The first one, obviously, is work. Uh, so T4 income in Canada, it's called T4 income. You go to work, you get paid. That's generally what everybody does. Uh, there might be some employment, uh, self-employment income, but for the majority, people are looking at salary. Now, in your case, for example, Palma, you were uh, you worked part-time, I think. I did. I worked part-time. I was a supply teacher. I am not a teacher by trade, but in Ontario, if you have a, a degree from a university, you can supply teach. So that was ideal for me. I did that while the children were in school. So I dropped them off, went to supply teach, and I was done by the time it was time to pick them up. I did that. So I made at that point, say 20% of our family income, but Dave made 80%. Yeah. I lost that when he... Yeah, passed. so let, let's use round numbers. So let's say your family income was a hundred, and you were making twenty, and David was making eighty. Again, mm -hmm. it's just I pulled it out of the air. Mm -hmm. So now your income comes down to twenty thousand. Your family income comes down to twenty thousand. Right now, there were other areas where, where you might get some income, and and I'll I'll mention a couple more areas that might be available. Uh, CPP is one of them. Canada Pension Plan. In Canada, like most other um, G7 countries, we do have a survivor pension for widows and widowers. In Canada, it's called a CPP survivor benefit. So definitely uh, apply for it. If your husband or wife did contribute, you most likely will get some form of survivor pension. CPP survivor pension. Uh, another source of income is your company, your your late husband or wife's company pension plan. There may be a certain amount of income that they were entitled to when they retired. Obviously, they're not going to retire. So there is or there are survivor benefits, which the spouse is usually entitled to receive. Uh, there are other areas that you may have income from, like you may own stock uh, or stocks. Let's say you own the Bank of Nova Scotia. It pays a very nice dividend. Around Today, it's paying about a 6% dividend. Usually pays a little less, but today the stock is, is a little bit lower than, than normal. Uh, maybe a good time to buy. I don't know. But you could live off the dividend income that the bank stock pays rather than reinvesting and buying more shares. But you know, you've got to assess how much income you were getting before. Well, it's almost irre irrelevant how much you were getting before. You've got to look at how much you're getting today. So in your case, you're making 100000 hypothetically. We You lost Dave's income. You're down now to your income, which was 20000 A year will assume nothing for any other sources of income. Mm, so, so quite the shortfall there. 
Well, let, let's take a look at number two, then. Number two of the equation are your expenses. Mm -hmm. Now, did you think I was guilty of this? I thought if Mary, when one person either dies or get, gets divorced, your expenses drop by 50%. That's what I thought. Didn't happen. It, it didn't happen. No. Nope. And in fact, I did some research. Many of the articles in, in, on Google say that you're looking at a reduction in expenses of about 30%. I found that I didn't even save 30% with this inflationary bout that we're in right now. I think we're spending more or less what we spent when Mary was still alive uh, because of the inflationary numbers. But what you need to do is you need to sit down and you need to have two columns, a discretionary or discretionary expenses. These are expenses that have to be paid. And you know what we're talking about. You got to pay the hydro. You got to pay the utilities. You got to pay property taxes. You got to buy food. These are things that will not go away. You got to so buy So those are essential expenses. Yeah, exactly. Correct. That's another word, essential ex expenses rather okay. than non-discretionary. Then we have discretionary expenses. These are things that you could possibly cut back. Maybe having two cars, you could cut back to one. Um, maybe instead of um, going out every week or every night, there could be some cutbacks there. Mm -hmm. So discretionary expenses are things that you have a dial over. They, you can dial them up or you can, can dial them down. So you add it together, all of your discretionary and non-discretionary expenses. And I'm going to assume for this podcast, Palma, that your total expenses after Dave's death was $70,000 a year. That's right. In, in okay, Toronto. let's just say. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just for convenience sake. Well, okay. Now, remember, your income was 20000 your expenses are 70000 So you were $50,000 short immediately after Dave's death. Mm -hmm. Now, I know what you did, uh, but let's talk about some of the ways to bridge that gap. Any ideas? Um, gosh, I think I would, especially these days, it's so easy to work from home. I might get a part-time job to help with, with the expenses. Yeah, that, that's a great idea find ways, like you said, to decrease the the non-essential expenses? Yeah, let's take the low-hanging fruit first. So mm -hmm. the non-discretionary expenses, you know, we said two cars go down to one car. Uh, instead of having um, two vacations a year, maybe you do one vacation a year. I, I don't know what your discretionary expenses are, but look at those. Those are the easiest ones to dial back. Okay. Okay. And what think, else what else can you do? Yeah, so you're reducing one, your debt in any way you can, right? Yeah, the debt is the next one. So the debt usually comes in two areas. One is your mortgage. Okay. And that's related to the size of the house that you have. And unfortunately, this is where you may have to consider downsizing if the if the gap is so big that even by cutting your discretionary expenses almost to zero, you still have a gap. So if you downsize your home, if that's what's required, you will save on the mortgage, you will save on the carrying cost, and you might be able to bridge that gap. Okay. So that's one area of debt reduction. Another area that is very, very popular in a negative way uh, is credit card debt or household debt, not including mortgages. Well, according to the Canadian Credit Bureau, 
in the third quarter of 2022, so not long ago, Canadians had a, a cumulative, cumulative debt, I can't even say the word, of $2.3 trillion. That's unbelievable. And if you divide that by the number of Canadians, it works out to just over $21,000 for every man, woman, baby in the country, not including our mortgages. So we have a lot of consumer debt. Some of it is on credit cards. So I would recommend, if you can, to consolidate those high-cost debts into maybe a personal loan. Uh, it's it, it's not that easy to do, but you can go into a bank and say, I have a bunch of credit card loans. I'd like to pay them off. Uh, will you give me a loan to pay off my credit cards? And will that loan interest be less than what the credit card debt is? Generally, it is. If, if they'll give you a loan, it'll generally be a lot lower than the credit card rate. So do you mean that this would be attached to your home? If you can get it secured, uh, the line of credit rates are ju generally prime plus a half, which is a lot less than a, an unsecured loan. Yes. Okay. And a credit card debt today is, I don't know, have you checked? They're probably in the 18% range. Mm -hmm. So if you don't pay your credit card off, you will be earning, you will be incurring debt of about interest of about 18%. So it's phenomenal. It, it's very, very costly. So consolidate your debt, maybe look at downsizing your house. Um, those are all good ideas. You mentioned one about potentially getting a new job or working yeah, part-time. Yeah, that's probably where this would come in for sure. Getting a part-time job of some kind to supplement the income to reduce the debt. What did you do? Like uh, The numbers that we made up the 20,000 and the 70 are all made up. But in your case, there was a shortfall. There was a shortfall. So this kind of, this takes us into the next topic, which is insurance and benefits. And mm -hmm. that's what I did. I had life insurance. I had life insurance from Dave and I used that to, to live for the next several years. It was important to me, as I'd mentioned previously, to stay home with the girls, to support them. I didn't, I didn't know anybody who had been widowed so young, nor did I know anyone who had young children. Uh, Lauren was just eight, turning nine. So I, I needed to be home with her. And that's how I did it. I used the funds from the insurance to maintain our life at that point and supplement what I had previously. I also had a little bit, this is another topic altogether, but I had a little bit in an emergency fund. So I accessed that as well. Yeah. I think those are two really good uh, income options. You were very smart to buy insurance. I, as a financial advisor, it is one of the most difficult products to convince people. And I hate to, hate to, word, hate to use the word convince, but to show the benefits of actually buying. Mm -hmm. So for example, in your, your case, you were 44 when Dave passed away, you probably bought that insurance when you were in your 30s. Earlier, actually. Yeah. So can you imagine how often I talk to clients in their 30s and I'll say, I know this will probably never happen, but you should buy life insurance. So do and they think it's a waste of money or do right, they equate yeah. it with death and they don't want to think about death? Well, so they, therefore, they don't want to think about life insurance. At that age, they think they're going to live forever. Yeah, And I did too. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mary did too. And so they're thinking, well, I don't care how much it costs. And it's very cheap at, you know, in your thirties, but I don't need it mm -hmm. because we're going to go with the odds. The odds of us dying 
in our 30s or 40s or 50s is very, very low, especially for women. So why should we do that? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, really struggle with that. And, you know, I often think of you, if you had not bought that insurance, mm-hmm. you and Dave, well, Dave, uh, yeah, you would have been in a negative cash flow and who knows what you would have had to do. I would have had to go to back, back to work full time. It, it, I would have done it. Sure. But uh, it would have uh, emotionally, I was suffering so much already. It would have really drained me. That stress yeah. would have been incredible. It would have been even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, and I don't know what how much the death benefit was, but let's say the death benefit in your case was five hundred thousand. Uh, just to show how this would work. So you receive five hundred thousand on the death of your spouse. In your case, remember your income is twenty. Your expenses are seventy. So you're fifty thousand dollars short. You just got a big lump sum of 500,000. You divide 50,000 into 500,000. You don't need a calculator. It works out to about 10 years worth of cash flow to help you bridge that gap. That's a good amount of time for you to settle into your new normal. Maybe you would have had to retool, maybe go back to school and learn a new profession in order to be able to maintain your, your girls and yourself. Uh, or, or maybe you would have stayed home for the rest of your working career. I don't know. But it did give you the options at that particular time. So life insurance is a savior uh, in many, many cases. So uh, I'm glad you had it. Uh, in my case, I was a major breadwinner. I did not buy life insurance for Mary. She died at 57. Had she died younger, it would have been a, a loss a financial loss as well as a, a an emotional loss because I would have had to hire people to take care of the kids because I couldn't take time off. And that would have been an additional expense that I may not have been able to afford. So I, even though I'm in the profession, I bought life insurance for me, but not for her. Interesting. Uh, you yeah, didn't take your own advice. I didn't take my own advice. I should have bought life insurance for her, but I did what the 30 year olds do. We're not dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, in most cases, that is true. Thankfully. And, and thankfully, in most cases, it is true. Yes. So what do you do then with your expenses? We've gone through change in income, prioritizing the essential expenses, reducing your debt, insurance. How do we streamline our expenses yeah. or simplify things? Yeah, I think if you're going to start this new responsibility, the first thing you got to do is you got to simplify before when when Mary died, we had three bank accounts. We had CIBC, TD, and Scotia. Three credit why? cards. <laughs> yeah, why? I because it just it just because happens. you could. <laughs> well, we didn't intentionally want to do it, but maybe there was I don't even remember. Maybe there was a credit card offer that TD offered, and you know, initially we would say yes, and so we we were down. We were. Well, some people have even more. I, I know clients that have like 20 cards in their pockets. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyways, it's a, it's a nightmare. Just, just remembering when the due dates are mm-hmm. for your credit card. So what I did is I, I canceled everything and consolidated into one bank account, the Bank of Nova Scotia. I only have one bank account, a, a savings and a checking account, one line of credit and one visa. That's it. And everything goes through there. And I don't miss anything and I have total control over it. And it's it makes so life much, easier. Oh my goodness. I just can't imagine how much time Mary spent um on those three different bank accounts. It um 
it, it's unnecessary in my opinion, mm -hmm. but, but we, we did, I did do that. I did consolidate. Wow. So one thing I did is I automated all of my bill payments. I, yeah. I don't know if you mm -hmm. do that, but I love it. Yeah. It saves you a ton of time. Uh, but one of the drawbacks that I find is that by automating your, your payments, you, I get lazy and I don't go back and see whether that payment that was taken out of my bank account is correct. So for example, I have Enbridge, which is our natural gas provider in Toronto. They take whatever they, they want from my bank account. I generally don't go back and check. I hate to say it. Right. But you do know when you see the amount come out, it's generally around the same amount. So if you saw a discrepancy in that, you would go yeah. back and check. I have never gone back to check. Well, I guess it's uh, always been okay. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I hope. Uh, I I understand what you're saying. Automating your, your bill payments is a great idea. If I can also recommend that occasionally you go back and check those bills, I think that would help. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, there's one more thing I wanted oh, to mention. Which I, I, think I, was, I think you were thinking the same thing. I don't yeah. like budgeting and I know you have some way of doing it that would really help me. Yeah. Budgeting is a four-letter word in uh, in many, many people's vocabulary. I know it has more letters than four, but I, I've had maybe over a thousand families in my 30-year career that I've seen and talked to. I can count on one hand the number of people, number of families that have an accurate, up-to-date budget. And I was not part of that group. It was so hard to keep a budget and to keep it on time or, or accurate and timely that we gave up. Many, many times, Mary and I gave up. What is now available, I think, is terrific. The one that I, the, the aggregator that I use is called mintmint.com. It takes everything from your credit card and from your bank and puts it into the right accounts. So if you've spent money on groceries, it'll open up a groceries account. If you spent it on telephone or utilities, it'll put it all into the right category so you could see how much money came in, how much money went out, and where it actually went. I'll tell you, it is a life changer. Hmm, I might actually <laughs> use that. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I know. And you don't work for them, right? <laughs> I don't know. I have no connections to them whatsoever. I I may do that because I, I, like Mary, would start a budget and then a week into it, I would give it up. It was just too much work. Well, the other, yeah. And, and the other thing, I don't use cash anymore because cash, mm. um, you don't know what you spend it on. So I use um, Apple Pay and I know mm -hmm. there's Google Pay too. And so it automatically gets recorded on my credit card and uh, it'll say what I use it for. So for example, mm -hmm. if I'm going to Starbucks, it'll say Starbucks. And then I know that's a, you know, fast food or, or coffee shop expense. Wow. All right. Very, I'll definitely, very yes. I will definitely look into that. So if you're not used to all of these new responsibilities that you have as the, the person in charge of finances, these are all things that can really help. Yeah, I I I sympathize with a lot of people that this is not like finances is not their forte. They're they're just they just not interested in it and unfortunately in some cases you're going to have to become interested. So if your spouse was the person that did all of this work, it's now your responsibility. I know this may not be your forte, but if it isn't 
you have to do your best and maybe you get some help, whether you get family or friends or you hire a professional, but you can't let it go. Like we've talked about income and expenses. You almost have to look at that immediately. And I know how difficult it is a week or two or a month after your husband or wife has passed away to look at money, but the bills just keep coming in. Mm -hmm. So they certainly do. Yeah. And uh, financial stress equals increased stress in your grieving process. That I know for sure. They're so connected. They're so connected. Uh, so whether you get it all under control on your own or you seek financial advice, yeah, it's definitely something that has to be done. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you can do it on your own, but I know some people, they don't have the time or they don't have the aptitude to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the, fine. Just right, or the knowledge someone. again. Acknowledge exactly. it. It's not one of your strengths. Hire someone to help you out and do what you're good at. Wow. All great advice, Richard. Thank you. Now, I ask this at the end of each podcast. What would you say during this podcast is something that's, that really stood out for you or that you would recommend possibly that someone is going through um, the grieving process do? Yeah, I think mint.com is, is the number one lesson that I can reiterate over and over again to people that are in any of these positions. In fact, you don't even have to be a widower or widower. I think a budget, even a very simple budget, and, and I think mint.com can do that for you within a very short period of time. It might take you a few hours to set up, and then it might take you an hour every month to reconcile because sometimes you'll have expenses that goes through mint.com that are, are not recognized and they don't go into a proper category. They have to be reclassified. That might take a while uh, at the mm -hmm. beginning. But after, okay. like I'm now, like I could do it in about a half hour every month. In fact, I do, I'm a bit of a nerd. I do it twice a month or as often as I can just to see where I am. And it really gives me an opportunity to cut back expenses. I can dial expenses down very, very quickly. Um, like, for example, I, I don't know. I told you, didn't I tell you this? I, I cut back my my cable. I was finding out that I was realizing that most of my TV time was spent on Crave or Netflix, but I was buying and paying for a lot of channels on cable. Anyways, I cut back cable. I increased the speed of my internet and I saved just over a hundred dollars a month. That's it a doesn't sound, doesn't sound like a home run, but that was almost directly because of the fact that I was itemizing my expenses and I could see where I was spending money. And then I was evaluating, do I get any real return from that particular expenditure? Yes or no. If the answer is no, then I could, I could cut it back. And that's $1,200 a year. If you do oh. that with, with several things, that's quite a bit. And I have, I don't, we don't have time to go through them all, but there have been a, a number of costs that I cut back specifically because of mint.com. Anyhow, Me that's my lesson for today and my recommendation too. Thank you. So my lesson, all right, I was just <laughs> going to tell you, my lesson would be insurance. Even if you're young, look at getting it. In fact, it's even more important when you're young because it's cheaper right. to get. Um, it saved me. It actually saved me during that time period. And now I have life insurance. I use that as a forced savings for my girls. I want to leave something for them. They're older. Um, they're you know, they don't need that money, but I do want to leave that for them. So for me, 
I continue with the insurance and it's my forced savings. Yeah, that's a, a great recommendation. And I like what you said at the end, leaving the children a life insurance policy is like giving them a legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at a certain point, hopefully way into the future, hopefully. you'll leave them you'll leave them whatever you bought and they can use that to help themselves at that particular point. They could exactly. pay, pay off the mortgage. Maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be grandkids and that money will be there to help the grandkids Use as for well. them. Sure. Yes. Wow. Thank you. I've learned so much from you and until next time, bye-bye. Hey listeners, for more insight, support, and resources related to widowhood, visit my website at mywidowedlife.com. That's where I expand on topics discussed on the podcast and apply them to the unique circumstances of widows and widowers. I also invite you to join the My Widowed Life Facebook group, a group that welcomes everyone, regardless of when you lost your loved one. This is a safe, non-judgmental space where you can like, comment, and post in an environment where everyone gets it. Please see the show notes for contact details and links to the My Widowed Life website and Facebook group. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Until next time, take care.